Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the Heritage Hour. I'm Mark Gonzalez, your pastoral encourager here in Southwest Florida. And so delighted to be with you once again as we've been doing it for almost 30 years now. Can you believe it? Uh, that is here in Southwest Florida. But just in the last few weeks, uh, we have a new listening audience over in the greater Atlanta area. We want to welcome you, uh, those of you listening on WA. EC Love 860 AM, also broadcast on iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio uh, by Love 860. And uh, of course, that goes out internationally. And we want to welcome many of you listening online as well as we come to Easter weekend. I tell you, oh, there's no better time to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ than on Easter weekend every weekend if we want to get real honest, especially during this COVID era. And the the thing that the Lord has put in my heart today as we continue our journey and just looking at portraits of the Lord God himself using these two-word creative descriptions of him, I want to talk about how the Lord is our deeper ocean. Now, I know that might sound a little odd to you at first, but here's the thing. When Jesus Christ did his work on the cross, the world and the enemy thought they had won. But in fact, the Lord was doing a far deeper work than they could ever imagine because he is like a deep, deep ocean. And I want to take us to Psalm 42 today. If you have your Bibles, we'll also take a quick peek at Psalm 30. But then we're going to really camp out on John 19 and 20 to get glimpses of the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ all the way through the cross and when he resurrected again on that third day. And as we get started, as is our custom, oh, let's just go before the Lord and ask him to speak, shall we? Father, we are just so, so grateful that you're a God who is far, far deeper than we can possibly imagine. And that just gives me so much hope, and encouragement. And Lord, as we take a journey through several portions of Scripture to take a look at how, metaphorically, you are our deeper ocean, I pray you'll, you'll help me uh, just describe it and explain it in such a way that we can just get lost in the reality that no matter how deep our valleys or struggles or troubles, you are deeper still. So we are so ready to hear from you, Lord. We love coming to sit at your feet and gaze in your eyes and listening to you heart to heart. So thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We pray this in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by his precious cleansing and healing, transforming, empowering, and forgiving blood. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, my friends, if you have your Bibles, I want want to start us in Psalm 42, a classic psalm um, that you uh, may be familiar with. In fact, parts of it, I'm sure you will. But it kind of sets the tone for this theme of how he is our deeper ocean and then how we're going to see one of the many ways he has demonstrated this here on this earth. And of course, it's through his work on the cross and 
defeating sin and death and resurrecting on the third day. So on this day before Easter, let's just uh, let's just take a journey of discovering the depth of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he is our deeper ocean. So in Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1 and 2, and then going over to 6 through 8, here's what the Bible says. As the deer pants for the water brooks. Okay, I got to stop right there. Think about that. The deer up in the mountains, a mountain lake. uh, That's what he's searching for, but he can't find it. And he or she, so, so thirsty, panting for water brooks. You ever been thirsty? I mean, really thirsty. And then you get that, oh, that fresh ice water. Oh my goodness. There's nothing like that. In fact, I got to tell you, I love Dr. Pepper. I'm from Texas. It's from Waco. I know that, and and um, you may not know that. But anyway, uh, I love Dr. Pepper. I have to tell you, though, while I enjoy it, all carbonated beverages and teas and stuff, they're diuretics. They don't really, they don't really uh, quench your thirst. They make you more thirsty. And that's why when I finish a, a Dr. Pepper, I'm thirsty for something else, some water and, and all it's water that satisfies our thirst, and it's only the Lord God who can satisfy our spiritual thirst, my friend. No matter how many other carbonated kinds of things we may try, uh, it's Him. So this is saying, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, it goes deeper in the psalm as you get to verse 6 about why this soul is so thirsty. Verse 6, Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Oh, therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Oh, deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. I just love that phrase, deep calls to deep. This is where we're getting our description of him, our title of him. He is our deeper ocean. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls, all your breakers, there are the breakers from the oceans, and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. Oh, a prayer to the God of my life. I love this. What a picture. Deep calls to deep. Then he talks about waterfalls and breakers and waves. Huge oceans come to mind. Why? Because the Lord is our deeper ocean. You know, over the years when I was pastoring at the local uh, church level, for about 35 years actually, and it's been about six since I've been away from the local church, and now I, I oversee our our region of, of churches here in Southwest Florida. But uh, no, I, I used to do a, a, a children's sermon every Sunday. And, you know, we'd have our, our welcoming time, you know, and uh, people would be welcoming each other. And I'd say, okay, while everyone's standing up and greeting each other, the kids are coming up for their story time. So everybody's standing and they're saying hello, you know, hello and all, but the kids are running up and they would come up on stage and they'd sit at my feet, you know, and I'd always have some kind of a stuffed animal or a picture or something up in the PowerPoint, you know, to tell them a story. But the story would always relate to the message that the Lord had put on my heart to share with their parents. And so this was their uh, miniature sermon 
pictorial sermon, illustrative sermon of what uh, of what their parents were going to hear later, and and it was my idea that uh, uh, that they could talk then with their parents about the sermon and about what they heard. Plus, I would uh, I'd ask them at the end. I'd say, okay, now draw a picture of what you just heard. I want this is their sermon notes. Draw a picture. Uh, when you go to children's church, because this is about halfway through our service, first half was worship and praise. We wanted our children to worship with their parents, but we understand that parents need to be able to focus on the Word of God during the message time. So in our church, for a couple of decades, you know, we we would we would have them in in our morning services for half the time for worship and praise, even here in the announcements and prayers and offering and things. Want them to be with their parents, worshiping with their parents in that way. But then after the children's sermon, we'd release them to children's church, but I would give them a little handout, and it was a little children's bulletin. And I would say, all right, just see, from, let's see, uh, we have our children's bulletin this week, and on the front, on one side we have, you know, uh, Johnny's uh, picture from last week's sermon. On the other side we have Tiffany's uh, picture from last time. Now you draw a picture of what you just heard. We'll see who gets on the front covers next time. And their little hands would go up, and I'd hand them that little piece of paper. It was gold to them. And they would take it back to Children's Church. And the first thing the teaching staff did there was say, okay, let's draw a picture of what we just heard, what Pastor Mark just said, just to deepen the message. And they'd draw the pictures and hand them in uh, to the teacher, and then they would uh, give them to us, and, and me and my assistant would uh, make sure we would pick uh, different kids uh, throughout the weeks to be on that front cover. But that is how I would engage the children. I love engaging children. We have to reach the next generation. You know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, about 84% of the people who come to Christ do so between the ages of 4 and 14. And uh, and this is why it's so important for, for parents to disciple their children and why we would assist them by having a, having a, a, a children's sermon where I would engage directly and personally with those kids and then a, a children's church and then they'd have Sunday school and then midweek stuff, you know, uh, we did a wana in those years and or other kind of Bible clubs. That's what the church does to supplement the primary discipleship uh, ministry that children should have and that is from their parents. And that's why I created this um, this family devotional picture book uh, that I call the story of God and man. It's 95 question and answers. It's in rhyming verse. We set it to music so you can sing it. We arrange it in 10, ten sections, and each section is its own song of the Q&As. And uh, by the way, all the music's different, and it's free. You can just go online to 95questions.org, and you can download a, a YouTube with the lyrics and, and the music. You can sing it. And then, of course, you can order the, the picture book if you want, and, uh, and the adult devotional version of this of the 95 questions and all, because we must reach the next generation. Jesus died that people might be reached with his good news that there is eternal life with him that's available to us. And we need to start when those kids are very young. And grandparents, we can uh, uh, you, can, you can order those online and have them sent right to the your children, your grandchildren's addresses, wherever they live around the country. It'll be delivered right there, you know, a great Easter gift, by the way. But but the point is this. I would have them at, uh, sitting at my feet 
I would tell him a story related to the message. And I'm just going to tell you the one that, that comes to my heart that I remember distinctly sharing with him about this portrait of God as our deeper ocean. I tell the story of little Fred the fish who was swimming around the uh, near the beaches uh, of of Coney Island, and he saw the Ferris wheels, he saw the cotton candy booths, he saw the games, he saw people having a great time and roller coaster rides. And every day he'd be swimming in those shallow waters there by Coney Island, and and just yearning to go up there to to have some fun like they are. And and one day he couldn't resist. He flopped up on the beach in order to go to ride a roller coaster, get some cotton candy, you know, and and all. And of course, you know what happened. He got out of the water, was on that hot sand. He thought it would be soaking in some rays and getting a suntan like he saw all those other people doing, but no, it was killing him. He didn't realize that that would kill him. And he was flipping around, and he was drying out. But fortunately, a little boy and a little girl came walking along and saw him and said, Mommy, Daddy, look, there's a little fish stuck up here in the beach. And Daddy came and and tossed him back into the sea. And oh, when he got back into the sea, how little Fred the fish was delighted to get that big gulp of salt water into his gills so he could not die but instead live. Well, he reflectively went and told his mom and dad what happened. You wouldn't believe what just happened, Mom and Dad. I'm so sorry. I know you told me not to swim around the shallows, and I'd be tempted to do some things that I shouldn't do, but it just looked so bright, so shiny, so fun, so exciting. I couldn't resist myself, and I flopped up on the beach. Ah, you did, yes, but they threw me back in. Oh, Freddie, they said, son, listen, there's so much here in the ocean. There's so much more here in the vast oceans and in the depths of the oceans compared to what you'll find on the land, that as a fish, you can spend a lifetime exploring the depths of the ocean and never come close to discovering it all. My friend, and this is what I would tell the kids, by the way, boys and girls, Jesus is like a deep, deep ocean. We can swim in him and swim in him, but over there on the beach, sometimes there's some things up there that we're not supposed to do. It's called sin, but it's so, so tempting to go up there. That's why we don't want to swim in the shallows and be tempted on the edge of a land of sin. What we want to do is swim in the deep, deep ocean, and that would be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Deep calls to deep. When our soul is thirsting for the Lord, when our soul is in despair, there's something deep within us is calling out for something deeper. And the great news is, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, my friends, just to give you a peek at Psalm 30, verse 5, I love this passage. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. My friend, the big themes as we get started into taking a personal, direct, and clear look at the cross and the resurrection, the big themes that, that in real life, deep calls to deep. Deep things are happening, deep hurts, deep wounds. Certainly the COVID era and all that sprung, financial uncertainty and racial discord and, 
and uh, uh, uncertainty at home and the, the loss of a way of life and a whole new way of balance it's just it's just whole it's just everything is so so different it's a yearning it's a deep yearning we're grieving as a culture all five stages of grief you know it includes anger and depression so you're not strange you're not out of sync if you're feeling that way and suffering from emotional and spiritual exhaustion it's a deep deep thing but deep calls to deep and his name is jesus Yes, there's a night or season of weeping, but joy comes in the morning or eventually in Christ. For on Friday, during Passion Week, there was a cross, but on Sunday, there was a resurrection. On Friday, there were tears, but on Sunday, there was unspeakable joy. So let's take a little deeper look at that. May I take you over to John chapter 19, beginning in verse 25. Now, last time, if you were able to be with us, we looked at Jesus as our travel partner, and we looked at how he was prepping his disciples about him needing to go away from them. And in, uh, when he shared that with them in John 13, they were just overwhelmed. No, no, don't leave us, don't leave us. But in John 14, he says, okay, look, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's giving him a glimpse, a foreshadowing of what was to come. He was going away. He had told them he was going to be dying and taken. They didn't know it was going to be on the cross. They didn't know how long he'd be in the, in the tomb, they weren't even sure he was going to resurrect. They didn't quite understand that. But when it happened, they began to understand. There was a deep, deep uh, work going on here. There was a deep, deep thing that God was doing through the Son at this time. But they couldn't see it. Their tears were deep. They were in despair but Jesus was saying I'm gonna I'm gonna give you hope joy's gonna come in the morning I'm gonna prepare a place for you it's gonna be all right it's gonna be all right so let me just share three things with you as this unfolds in John chapter 19 where Jesus is now on the cross and uh, and here's what the Bible says in John 19:25. now beside the cross of Jesus, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, by the way, that was John, that's how he would refer himself in his gospel, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. I'm so struck by this, how these women that had been in Jesus' life and very, very close to him, Mary, his own mother, who'd gotten that prophecy when he was born and with Simon in the temple, that he would bring tears to her and yet bring joy to her. This was it. Deep calls to deep, deep tears at the loss 
and the pain of her son. He died on a deep cross. That's number one if you're a note taker. Jesus, our deep ocean, died on a deep cross. Then we're going to see how number two, he rises for a deep work. And then number three, he dries our deep tears. This is the story of Easter, my friend. Jesus died on a deep cross. He loved us by dying for us. You know, isn't it amazing when people die, we think, oh, why did he die on us? Didn't he love us? Oh, my goodness, he went away. And we get angry at those who die on us. But in this case, Jesus was dying and going away. And while the disciples and maybe even his mother and the other ladies didn't understand, it was because he loved them. He could have stopped it at any time. He could have stopped the torture. He could have stopped the cat of nine tails ripping his back. He could have stopped the uh, nails being plunged into his hands and feet. He could have stopped the spear being thrust into his side and him tortured and left to die on the cross, being totally innocent. He could have called down legions of angels, but he didn't because he loved us. He died on a deep cross. A deep, deep thing was happening on that cross. He loved us by dying for us. Secondly, he paid the penalty of our sin. If you're taking notes under this portion about him dying on the cross, he loved us by dying for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. He fulfilled God's eternal plans. God had this plan all along, how he would become flesh and dwell among us and be known as the son of the living God and at the same time be the son of the living God. It's a mystery we cannot explain, but it was God's eternal plan at work. The enemy thought he had won by putting it into the hearts of Judas Iscariot and to the Sadducees and the Pharisees to have Jesus killed, to get rid of him, to solve their problem. But no, it was the very thing that God was doing in order to affect an incredible thing, how him dying on the cross, paid the penalty of our sin to make it possible for us to have eternal life. Incredible. Which brings me to number two. Not only did he die on a deep cross, but he rises for a deep work. Three things here. He defeats sin and death. He lives a resurrected life. And he raises us as new creatures, new creations like him when we come to him by way of salvation. And I love how uh, the story unfolds as we go on in the Gospel of John to John chapter 20, verse 11. Uh, but Mary was standing outside the tomb. This is after Jesus was died and put in the tomb. Uh, Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And there we have the deep tears in despair. So as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting one on the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, well, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they put him. She obviously did not know they were angels. Otherwise, she'd be saying something completely different. She also would not see that it was Jesus when he shows up here in a moment. Let's pick it up in verse 14. When she said had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and yet she did not know it was Jesus. So Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? 
and thinking that he was the gardener. <laughs> I love that. She said to him, well, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will take him away. And I love this. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. <laughs> and she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbi or Rabboni, which means teacher. She recognized him once he called her by name, she recognized him and said, it's him, it's rabbi, it's rabbi. And Jesus says to her, stop clinging to me. For obviously, once she saw him, she ran over to him and fell at his feet, began clinging to him. I picture her around her knees and weeping. And said, yes, it's you, it's you, you're back, you're back. Okay, okay, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and announced to his disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Oh, man, I love that. Listen, my friends, I said that he died on a deep cross, how he loved us by dying for us and paid the penalty for our sin and fulfilled God's eternal purpose. He's rising now. He rises for a deep work. He defeats sin and death. He lives a resurrected life, and that gives us a picture of what it's going to be like when we get our resurrected bodies. And he raises us up as new creations in Christ. The Bible says that clearly. When we come to Christ, we are new creations. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And then to make it very personal and take this home, my friends, he dries our deep tears. That's number three. Mary was weeping. She lost her Savior. They'd taken him away. They were asking, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? Well, because she's human and she loved Jesus. She missed him. But Jesus dries our tears. He dries our deep, deep tears. How? He calls us by name. He opens our eyes. She didn't recognize him. And he heals us unto eternal life. Scripture says, by his stripes or wounds we are healed. We're healed spiritually into eternal life. And he heals us emotionally and physically. He, he's capable of doing that. He wants to do that. He wants us to commune with him. Oh, my friend, this is our deeper ocean, the Lord Jesus Christ, dying on a deep cross, rising for a deep work, and drying our deep tears. Well, Lord, thank you for being that kind of a personal God for us. You love us more than we can possibly imagine. Deep calls to deep. When I'm feeling deeply hurt and wounded, Lord, I will go and swim the deep waters with you as my deeper ocean. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm Mark Gonzalez. Hey, check out my website at markpg.org for more.